A big thank you to our sponsors, Recorded Future. Recorded Future arms threat analysts, security operators, and incident responders to rapidly connect the dots and reveal unknown threats. Their patent and technology automatically collects and analyzes threat intelligence from technical, open, and dark web sources. Why? To provide invaluable context for faster human analysis and real-time integration with your existing security systems. Sign up to their Cyber Daily newsletter and get the latest insights from Recorded Future at recordedfuture.com slash intel. Smashing Security, Episode 41, Hacking Instagram, Facial Failures, and Spying Bosses, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 41 of Smashing Security for the 7th of September 2017. My name's Graham Cluley, and I'm joined as ever by my good chum and co-host, Carole Terrio. Hello, Carole, how are you? I'm well, how are you? I'm gorgeous. Oh, we're going to sing the whole episode. That'd be fun, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> Maybe I'm we should well, do a rap one one day. I don't know. I, think... I can get my husband to write mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lucky you. And we are delighted to welcome back a special guest, David Bisson. Hi, David. You've been on the show before, of course. But for those of you who don't know you or haven't heard of you, um, tell us about yourself. Uh, well, I'm uh, an infosec journalist. I write for a bunch of different uh, places like Tripwire, um, Carbonite, uh, and of course, uh, your site, Graham. So uh, yeah, constantly plugged into what's going on and uh, yeah, just trying to raise awareness about security issues and give some helpful advice along the way. Well, you certainly do that and you're very prolific and keeping up to date with the latest computer security news, which is what we try and do on this podcast, of course. And uh, lots of interesting things have been happening in the last week. Um, one thing which we've touched upon a few times and I, I think it's worth touching upon uh, as well this week, the latest developments in regard to this, is the case of Marcus Hutchins, also I known as... I wondered whether you were going to bring that up. Ah, yeah, mm -hmm. also known as Malware Tech. He was He's the young British security researcher and uh, wannacry accidental hero who got arrested in the United States in relation to the Kronos banking malware. And as you know, there's been a lot of people in the InfoSec uh, community who've been supporting Marcus and even raising money to help his legal fight. Um, but... There is something else going on as well. Brian Krebs, of course, the famous Brian <laughs> Krebs, uh, superstar security blogger and investigative journalist, has been doing his usual thing, digging deep on the internet, and he founds what he claims to be evidence that Marcus Hutchins may have left quite a shady trail for himself on various hacking it's, forums. Have you read it? It's pretty uh, It's pretty damning, I think. Well, yeah, it's, I, I have read it, and I think it's worth... We'll include a link in the show notes. Certainly, it does suggest that Marcus in earlier years, maybe between about 2009 and 2012 or 2013, using a variety of pseudonyms, not just lurking on these forums, but was quite active. And it looks like dabbling on the dark side. So how old is he now? Do you know? Um, I think he's about 22 or 23. Mm. Okay, so he would have been like a late teen. Yeah. Late teen, yeah. Hmm. There's some interesting evidence which Krebs has uh, brought up. Uh, there's one piece which is very obvious and visual for people who don't have the patience to read the article. There's a video on YouTube where somebody is silently demonstrating a Hotmail password cracking tool mm -hmm. and showing how you can break into accounts that way. And for just a couple of seconds, when the screen switches and some windows change, you can see in the background that this user is logged into an MSN messenger window and you yeah. can see the email address, which is hutchins22 at hotmail.com, logged in there. So 
It's curious, but there's lots more there. Go and read the Krebs article. Um, it's like a CSI episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's this is something which has really shaken the computer security industry. Has been the arrest of Marcus Hutchins. Most people are very supportive of him. He's certainly done a lot of good stuff, but it's raised questions about how many of us might have potentially done some shady things in the past. Oh, oh Graham, are you going to admit to anything? Ooh, confession Live on time. <laughs> Ooh, me? Get the popcorn, David. <laughs> well, well, look, look, Carol. If we're going to start listing bad things we did in our youth, I think maybe you should take the first round. And oh. I'll, I'll join in about Christmas time. <laughs> but are we going to limit ourselves to computers rather than real life? Um, Special episode here today, Fox. <laughs> look, it's important to stress. Hutchins has pleaded not guilty to the f- all four counts against him, and Krebs himself says he's found no information to support the claim that he authored or sold the Kronos banking Trojan, yeah, that's, yeah, um, which yeah. is the main thing that he sort of appears to be being charged in relation to. But my message, I guess, for everyone is if you're going to pursue a career in InfoSec, no, don't do anything illegal, obviously. Um, don't, don't do anything which might cast you in an unethical light. But also learn the elementary lessons about not leaving any digital f- oh, footprints online because they may kick on, you up the bum later. Graham. What? Go Give on. me a you, break. What? What? How, how is someone supposed to eradicate their digital footprints online uh, totally? Well, you, go you go ahead. Give us a well, lesson no, on that. No, you certainly need to minimise it. Well, you certainly there are tools which you can use. You want to be very careful about the usernames which you use, the email addresses you might use to register domains. This is the kind of detective work which Krebs has done to you know, pull together the strings of evidence and say, mm, this looks like Hutchins was doing this. Now, maybe those were errors Hutchins made in his youth. That all remains to be seen, right? And people do make silly choices in their lives. But uh, and maybe he's outgrown that, right? And is now a, a, a genuine member of the InfoSec community. He certainly has contributed an awful lot, not just finding the kill switch in WannaCry. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are things which we can all learn, whether we are good guys or bad guys, about not leaving unnecessary breadcrumbs online, which might later, you know, come to cause us problems. So, Graham, would you have any advice for people looking to start off in InfoSec? Like, so instead of trying out all these malicious tools, what what should people do instead? Well, I think if you have an interest in these kind of things, be very careful what sites you join and and what sort of software you you write. Um, And obviously, you you need to get people's permission before you try and penetrate their website or look for vulnerabilities because you you may later get accused of doing things which maybe you didn't have permission to do. So be careful about that. Go on maybe a white hat ethical hacking course, which can teach you a lot of these techniques as well. Uh, I understand a lot of people are interested in these things. There's a million competitions out there as well. More and more companies are putting their code out there to say, hey, if you can crack this, you know, tell us the vulnerabilities. And I think that's an excellent way for people to kind of learn their way around the systems and and do good. And there are genuine bug bounty programs which you can participate in and, you know, potentially, I mean, some people make a a great deal of money finding uh, these things, which, which, you know, is terrific if people can do that doing good rather than potentially causing problems. Yeah. And I I guess I could throw that in there, too. I mean, if you can, I know that there are internships with different companies and security researchers, so then you can get real hands-on experience working with someone who knows their stuff. So, I mean, I think that would add an even deeper level, too. But just, you know, make make sure that you're going someone reputable and uh, just... 
do your research. And, and they obviously, by their very nature, could be offering some sort of mentoring as well, couldn't they? Exactly. Having a, a, yeah. an older, grey beard next to you saying, oh, don't do that. You know, this is how you do it properly. Uh, because they'll have thought about these things and maybe had some of those challenges themselves in the past. Hey, anyway, on with the show proper. And what we try and do each week is uh, look at the stories which particularly have caught our interest. Marcus Hutchins, we thought we have to mention that because we've, we've chatted a little bit about it in the past. But one of the things which caught my eye is Doxagram. Um, Carol, are you an Instagram user? Are you, no, I am not. Are you, are you following Kim Kardashian? Have you seen what Kim Kardashian has I've, done now, by the way? All I know is that she has a big bum. That's all I know about her. <laughs> Literally, I have no idea why she's famous. I have no idea if she's done anything. <laughs> you and the rest no of the idea. internet. <laughs> the latest thing that uh, Kim has done, um, not the Kim who uh, runs North Korea, of course, Kim Kardashian, potentially a greater <laughs> threat to civilization. But anyway, Kim Kardashian has climbed a tree um, in the nude. And, of course, she's uh, taken a photograph of herself and posted it up on social media. So the internet's gone completely bonkers, as always. I'm thinking about that because there has been an Instagram hack, of course. Um, some people found an API bug on the Instagram site, which meant that it was possible to scoop up millions of users' email addresses and phone numbers, even if they'd set them to private. And, and that's bad enough for us regular civilians, right? Us regular people in the street. But there's another group of people who use Instagram a lot and don't want their details like that getting out there. And those are those celebrities, right? Well, well, they are a different class of people. Okay, I get it. All right. Well, potentially yeah. there are more nutters who are interested in contacting them. Well, yes, because they have a much bigger mm. following as well. So, yes, I think they, they probably they have a are bigger more following. People yeah. might have a crush on them or, you know, there may be physical danger as well or they may be interested in trying to break into people's email accounts. Now, no passwords have been breached as a result of this Instagram breach and Facebook, which owns Instagram, says it's rectified the bug. So that's preventing more data from dripping out. But frankly, it's too late because the bad guys have already taken millions of details and they've created this searchable online database, which they've called Doxagram, where you can pay a measly $10 to get the details of your favorite celebrity. And then you can ring them up. <laughs> it's just so, it's just so lame. Wow. So what, because celebrities aren't going to actually move themselves over to a safer address after they're just going to sit, they're going to hang for, for waiting for the crowds of people to email them their love. Hopefully they're not. But remember, this isn't just, it's not a database of 6 million celebrities. There will be celebrities. I imagine there are other verified users of Instagrams who are included in this. But I think the Instagram angle gives us all a handle which we can kind of understand about it. You know, you can, and the media obviously get more excited because Hermione Granger herself, Emma Watson, she's on the list, and the Game of Thrones actress Amelia Clark, and Taylor Swift, and Katy Perry, and uh, your favourite uh, Carol Snoop Dogg, uh, <laughs> Britney Spears, Beckham, even the official president of the United States account. You know, for tweens, this is a big deal, isn't it? You could get the email. Yeah, this oh, would be yeah. huge if you were like 12, 13. Well, of course, because yeah. you want to contact yeah. David Cassidy. Or who was your, who was your big... Cassidy! Who was your crush? <laughs> Dating yourself. Who was your crush, Carol? What, Corrie? <laughs> was it like some Corrie? Uh, there was. was. Big in Canada. This is very embarrassing, yeah. Good. Corrie Hart. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, in fact, you've just gone a little... You've blushed a little bit right now, haven't you? <laughs> now... Instagram are that that so the website got set up right. Doxagram.com dot got set up 
and um, Instagram got it shut down. They said, look, you can't do it. Please. They contacted the domain, the web host, and got it shut down and took the domain over. Then doxagram.ws got set up, and again it was shut down. And Instagram and Facebook are responding to all of these sites popping up like mushrooms by purchasing loads of domain names in advance. 280 doxagram-related domain names. Things like doxagram.lol, doxagram.website, doxagram.hiphop are being purchased. You know, I guess it's not very much money for them to purchase these things. It doesn't cost much. <laughs> and I guess they're stuck with the brand name, so they can't change away well, from that. Well, they, they can't. <laughs> the, the thing is, even if... Even if they were able to purchase, which they won't be able to, purchase a thousand different Doxagram-related domains, there's nothing to stop the bad guys creating a domain called therealdoxagram.com or, or or something like that, is there? Yeah. So It's just cat and mouse games now, yeah. It yeah. is. The data's out there, right. and we, or Instagram users at least, put their trust in this service, and once again, they failed us. Too many sites. Upgrade this fussle box once again. Well, Hey, my phone number is private. I choose who I give my phone number to, right? I tell lots of people I don't even have a mobile phone because I don't want them ever ringing me up. I don't want to have that awkward, no, I'm not going to give you your number thing. But Do you not remember the time when I was doing a talk at some conference and you shut out my hotel room number <coughs> to the entire room? Um, well, yes. Ooh. Contact me if anyone wants Graham's phone number. As I recall... <laughs> We had a slide which had a Monty Python-style foot come crashing from the top of the presentation, squashing something. Yeah. And I, I said, you know, you'd contributed your feet because you have – can I say this on – Perfect feet. I was going to say quite yes. large. But anyway, you have <laughs> – anyway, so, and then I want to say – I said if you want an interest in Carol's feet, check out room number. Anyway, yes, you're quite right. I don't – we didn't change your room number. Did we? Anyway, look, I've learned my lesson, right? I've learned my lesson. Mm. Step down. Okay, well, thank you very much for that. You can step down from your soapbox. <laughs> I, I just want to give some advice, right, which is this. And uh, Instagram's co-founder and CTO, Mike Krieger, uh, has apologized. He's posted up a message, and he's telling people, look, be on the lookout for anything suspicious, unrecognized incoming calls, text messages, emails. There's a potential for phishing here, of course. And mm -hmm. Yes, you should enable two-factor authentication probably on your Instagram account, although I believe it's still only SMS-based, which some people have concerns about because that's maybe not the best way to do 2FA. And obviously, you should have strong, unique passwords on your Instagram accounts, even though this breach mm. wouldn't necessarily have uh, actually impacted them. But um, I just want one of these websites to <laughs> be better, you know? You know what? I think accidents happen. I think they seem to be handling it really well. They've informed everyone. They've apologized. They're closing down the sites. You know, I think if you're hoping that nothing ever bad ever happens, you're going to be hoping a long time. Yeah. It's big and complex. You know, there's a lot of stuff to look at. And I do think they do both take security really seriously or more than they used to. What I don't understand, I mean, Facebook offers uh, 2FA that's not SMS-based. I mean, you could use, like, Google Authenticator or another app. Mm. Uh, why doesn't Instagram? I mean, that just that yeah. doesn't make sense. That's true. Yeah. I agree They with could that. do better yeah. there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We live in hope, just like those uh, delegates from the 2001 Virus Bulletin Conference lined up outside Carol's <laughs> hotel room door. <laughs> I can't even remember. I can't believe you even remember the conference. It may okay. not have been that one. <laughs> <laughs> David. Yes. What's your topic this week? Okay. So I heard about something that happened at the Notting Hill Carnival. 
which is uh, a big street party that's usually held at the end of August. I've never been, but uh, looking at pictures, it it looks like fun. It is. It's awesome and delicious and great. I haven't been, but it's very famous here in the UK. Well, then all the more concerning... That I guess at uh, at this event, the uh, the Met deployed um, automated facial recognition software to try and screen who was getting into the festival area. Yeah, and apparently it didn't work out so well. Silky Carlo of Liberty went and she was talking to the police there about how they were doing with the technology. I guess in one day alone, there were thirty five false positives. Thirty five. Where the technology identified young women. As wanted men, <laughs> there were. <laughs> Hang I guess, on a moment. On that whoa, day, whoa, whoa, whoa! So what, there were there were thirty five young women who were identified as wanted men. No, 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 no. There were thirty five false positives, and included okay. in those were young women's pictures that came up, and the technology paired them with wanted men's pictures. If I was one of those women, I would be pretty disappointed about that. In fact, I'd be pretty disappointed if I was one of the wanted men who had been misidentified as a young woman. Yes. <laughs> Okay. No one wins in that situation. <laughs> Especially those where there were five interventions, as they call them, leading to false identifications. The police showed up, they questioned them, and of course they, they weren't wanted. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, across the entire weekend, there's only one correct match for someone who is charged with a rioting offense. But yeah. that person had already been arrested and they weren't wanted anymore. Mm. They were asking then the police, okay, well, what do you think about this? What's your response? And it's like, oh, we had success this weekend. We had a positive match. So I guess it's the lowest threshold here when we're measuring the success rate of technology. They said, oh, well, we make our own analysis before stopping and arresting the identified person anyway. It's a top-of-the-range algorithm, as That's, they called it. Have you guys ever seen that show, uh, Person of Interest? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Yes. Have you? It's, it's great. Millions of people. Um, that's all I remember from the beginning. But, so that means basically that their facial recognition software is basically completely fake because we're really in a, a much earlier phase of infancy in this technology. Is that your feel? Yeah. And it's it's interesting that they would even think that it would do well because I guess they they tried using the same technology last year, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess um, at that festival they arrested 454 people, but the technology didn't identify one of them as being wanted or on an alert or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So two years in a row, this technology has failed to live up to what it's supposed to do. I mean, the, it gets it gets worse than that. Mm. In 2012. The high office ruled its collection of images and that kind of thing for police databases illegal. So then it was supposed to develop another... So it had to dump everything it had? No, no. It was supposed to develop another better policy within a couple of months, but it took five years to do so. And all the while, it was still collecting these images and building this database of, I think (sighs) it's like 19 million mugshots now. Mm. So... Now that there is a new policy, there's this whole issue of where, like, if they want to remove themselves, they have to specifically request it. And someone can turn down that request if, I guess, it's highly ambiguous and a vague standard that uh, it would serve a, a policing purpose. So, I mean, even then the police can turn them down. Or if the police determine that you look a bit shifty or your eyes a bit too close together. They say, well, you know, on balance, we'll keep you in the database. (laughs) 
when someone is even uh, matched up in one of these false matches, the uh, the database basically keeps that match on file for around three months, probably, says the Met. So even then, you're still in the database. It's still showing up as this match. And that's something then that you might have to deal with then constantly over the, ne- the course of the next three months. Hmm. But uh, it gets even worse than that. Worse? Worse still. Because when we start taking into effect people of different races and ethnicities, it becomes all the more complicated. Because I guess most facial recognition technology is racist. The way that it's designed, and perhaps this is a reflection of who is designing Mm. and what sort of pool of people are creating this technology, but it's just less accurate with, say, African-Americans and people Mm -hmm. of color. Mm. So when these people are showing up on the databases, and you also have to account for a higher arrest rate of people of certain races and ethnicities, that means that if there's a bias or an error rate in the database, it's going to be magnified for people of color. You have to then wonder why uh, we necessarily need facial recognition technology deployed everywhere. I mean, we don't want that because we want to keep our privacy safe and there's there's no reason to constantly be watching people. But even when there's an event like this, it's very contained, it's very specific, and the technology fails so dramatically, you have to really think twice about deploying it until you cross all your T's. I mean, it's just... I it's, wonder if this is actually a beta test that they're running at the moment. If this is, if they're just testing the software, it could. I mean, I would, I would give them a pass for their first year. But the fact that this has happened twice in a row now, two years in a row, it, it just something has to change. And in the very least, I mean, the Met should lead the way because I know other facial recognition technologies they don't test for racial bias or any of that. I mean, you need to run those tests and you need to try and just improve it. I- I think it's pretty disappointing response by the Met Police, isn't it? Who've tried to present what they did as a success during the carnival weekend. But in fact, clearly, it was a failure. And this isn't the first time they've had this failure. Their response to questions about how long false images are being kept doesn't really engender you with much confidence uh, regarding how they're handling this. So I think we just need a more grown-up and transparent approach to facial recognition being used by police services. I mean, I think we all want the carnival to be safe and, you know, events like this to be safe. Yeah. But clearly at the moment, this is a failure. I don't, but you know what? Yes. I don't know. I don't think we should slap them on the wrist for being honest. But to call it a success, I mean, is it? I mean, they should they should just as well say it's like, wow, I mean, we got one success, but that was a disaster <laughs> overall. We're going to do yeah. better next year. Yeah, I guess we don't know what even the targets were, or where, or where the software is in, it, in its life cycle. So it's, I think it's a difficult yeah. one to say. One yeah. thing's for sure, we're going to see law enforcement using this kind of technology more and more. and there will, oh, yeah. Whether we, like, whether it we like it or not. And there yep. are going to be innocent people who will be captured on this video and may um, end up in databases, which is something that I think many of us are uncomfortable with, um, ha- how we can prevent that from happening. Unless you walk around with those blocking glasses that shine those <laughs> lights. <laughs> I do wonder whether the problem... I mean, Carol, you've been to the Notting Hill Carnival, haven't you? Mm-hmm. And the, the thing I know about the Notting Hill Convoy is they have these incredible headdresses. If you go to Google Images, anyone who hasn't seen the, uh, the other image search yeah. services are available, of course, you will be able to see some incredible pictures. It's, it's like glorious, a, actually. It's like Rio or a Caribbean carnival, yep. isn't it? Full it, of it's, food, music, dancing, mm. floats. 
It's and I wonder whether that would actually impact the quality of the facial recognition. Although I suppose oh, those are the people who are yeah. performing in the carnival. They're not the spectators, are they? Oh, no. They? Every, lots so, of people are dressed up. Like, it's, you know, right. it's, it's not like you go there. I know it's England, but people actually do get into the, <laughs> in the swing of things. <laughs> <laughs> Carol, what's your story for us this week? Well, my story actually kind of aligns and follows quite nicely um, from David. So I want to talk about employee privacy rights. So we can all appreciate that there's a balancing act, but where's the line? So I was kind of thinking of these questions. So like, what if your employer, in the name of physical safety and possibly lower insurance premiums, places Mm. live video feeds everywhere in the workplace, including the break areas, locker rooms and toilets? Is well, in that the, in the toilets? Yes. Would you say that's legal or illegal? Do you think? Well, uh, uh, having a camera in the loo. Mm-hmm. What in case I slip up on something slippery <laughs> and crack my head open on <laughs> yes, a basin or something? Exactly. It doesn't have to necessarily be in the in the you know in the cubicle, but yes. Oh, no. I suppose male loos are a little more public than uh, lady loos. Well, I, I doubt you'd be able to pick up anything with a camera pointed at my urine. <laughs> to be honest, if I was. Okay, moving on. <laughs> moving on. What if but, an employer? Right. Saying that they were concerned that you were distracted at work, demanded your full online activity report for the last six months from IT to review what uh, websites you visited, what you were doing, what emails you sent. It feels a bit big brother, doesn't it? It sure does. I I mean, I would like to work for a company which trusted me to do my job and would judge me based upon my outcomes rather than how I got them done. So it would be able to say... We gave you these tasks to do. You completed them by this time. Thank you very much. Good I, job, I couldn't Graham. agree more. I, I guess it's more of a more. question, too. In that sense, it's like, well, they have to have a reason for asking for your online activity. So what have you been doing for the past six months? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, so these kind of questions were plaguing me after I read about Mr. Barbulescu's case. Isn't that a glorious name? Mm. I just love his name so much. This goes back to 2007, where Romanian employee Mr. Barbulescu was fired from his job for sending private messages to his brother on Yahoo's messaging service. And he was doing this from work. His employer had surveillance software, which monitored Barbulescu's computer activity. He saw the messages and fired our guy. So Mr. Barbulescu then brought his boss to the Romanian courts for unfair dismissal. And last year in 2016, so that's a whopping nine years later, the Romanian courts ruled that the company was within its rights to monitor employee activity. And therefore, he was, he was you know, they basically said his dismissal was legal. Did, did they simply know he was using the Yahoo messaging service or were they able to determine what he was sending via it? Were they actually watching his screen to see what he they was typing? They could see the messages that he was sending. They okay, had, so was that like yes. a company messaging service, like through Yahoo then? No, this would be Yahoo with his own account oh. on a work computer. Interesting. They'd basically put a keyboard logger basically or some kind, of spy, some, mm. some kind of spyware onto his computer in order to see what he was typing to his brother. Yeah, because surveillance software is quite a broad term, isn't it? There could mm. be a lot of different things that could be do. But yes, basically, there, there could be a software that takes screens, screenshots every yeah. 30 seconds, yeah. right? There's all this stuff. Um, so Mr. Barbalescu did not take the sitting down. He uh, went off to the European Court of Human Rights to challenge the decision. And they were a little more efficient managing the court processes, though I imagine their funding slightly higher than <laughs> Romania's. 
Um, and this just this past Tuesday, um, the Romanian court's ruling was overruled. They said that Mr. Barbalescu's right to privacy was not adequately protected. So the reasons they said were that it was not clear that his communications would be monitored. Okay, so one big thing that seems to be across the board, because I've done a little dig in around, is that you need to inform your employees. That makes sense. Right? Employees need to be informed clearly. Um, So that's a big one. And two, the reasons for monitoring the employee were not specific enough in the original case in in the Romanian courts. So why it wasn't clear whether it was kind of a vendetta or personal or whether... Yeah, it might be they simply wanted to get rid of him for some other reason. They said, oh, you've been sending lots of messages to your brother, (laughs) so you're going to have to clear off, you know. Now, um, the European court says the ruling does not mean that firms cannot now monitor employee communications at work. Okay, they can still dismiss employees for private use of email and other devices and services, but they cannot reduce this person's social life uh, in the workplace to zero. Yes. So I went to the ACLU to look into the states to see um, what, and I was kind of expecting it to be, um, there'd be a lot more monitoring in the states. But it seems that employers must notify employees and applicants of electronic monitoring policies. Right. Okay, check. Um, employers must provide a visual or oral signal to employees and customers before monitoring. So you didn't say, now I'm turning it on. So that's interesting. Employers must provide employees access to all data obtained by electronic monitoring. You were saying that they have to visually tell you we are now monitoring you? So, yes. Yeah, so they so employers must provide a visual or oral signal. So they either, yeah, they have to basically give a cue to the employee that, hey, we're now switched on and we're recording. <laughs> so, it's, so it's like, live. We, we're now watching what you're up to. <laughs> Please carry on. Is it like yeah. Hal from 2001 <laughs> Space Odyssey? It's like, oh, you can't do that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and they're prohibited from using electronic monitoring to obtain data that is not relevant to work performance. Um, and your question, you know, to the, to the little question I asked earlier, in the States, you cannot uh, monitor restricted areas, including restroom, locker rooms and lounges. Mm. So now how does that compare to the UK? By the way, that's, that's kind of ironic that they won't put cameras inside american restrooms <laughs> because <laughs> i know exactly my, what you're gonna say in my in my experience <laughs> i think we may have touched upon this in past podcasts in my experience the privacy of american restrooms is absolutely diabolical compared to our decent european it ones it does leave something to be desired i think <laughs> yes. yes i'm not even going to get into the story about when i was in that restaurant and the camera came under the anyway we will go there but anyway that's <laughs> It is it is discussed in one of our early episodes wow. of Vanya Schweitzer. <laughs> yeah, but- go listen and you'll hear it. <laughs> now, in the UK, your employer can legally monitor your use of the phone, internet, email, and fax, if any company out there still has one, um, if the monitoring relates to the business, one, if the equipment being monitored is provided partly or wholly for work. And if your employer right. has made all reasonable efforts to inform you that your communication will be monitored. <laughs> okay, so this this is where it gets quite interesting in the UK. So based on those three, if as long as they follow those three rules, they can check calls to confidential helplines that an employee might be making. Mm-hmm. So in this case, your employer can listen in, but is not allowed to record these calls. Can you imagine if you're calling like a, you know, a suicide hotline and your employer's sitting there listening in? 
It it is a bit alarming, isn't it, that this sort of thing can be going. I I think what we need to do is we all need to be very very clear about what we've agreed to in the workplace because these aren't our own devices. We are using someone else's technology. We're using phones and email systems which they are paying for. Yep, and they are allowed to open up your emails, listen to your voicemail. Okay, they are allowed, and this is in the UK. They are yeah. allowed to check whether you're using the internet or email for personal use. An yeah. interesting thing as well is for people looking, you know, to applicants, job applicants. So there seems to be a number of situations where potential employers are asking to be furnished with the social media passwords. Oh, boy. Now this is this is something I remember reporting on maybe five to ten years ago. And it still seems to be happening. However, there doesn't seem to be any legal ramification if they choose not to hire you, if you choose not to give your passwords. But why, why would you want, I mean, even if you didn't give them your password, the sheer fact that they are asking you for that password should set off alarm bells in your head. Is this, is this the kind of company you want to work no, for? No, I think if you have that op op opportunity to be able to turn it down, do it. If you do not, I suggest you give yeah. it to them and change it pronto <laughs> yeah, and just hope. My goodness. Uh, because you're not just putting yourself at risk, you're putting everyone who's connected and trusts you at risk too. Yes. And of course, you could have two-factor authentication in place, which means that every time they try and access those accounts, they have to come oh, to you and say, Brilliant. Oh, We've, we, we want to go into your account. You go, oh, do you? <laughs> Just keep giving them wrong codes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, these are things you can do. I would suggest definitely that you find out what your company's monitoring policy is. They should be able to, they need to provide that to you if you request it. And you want to maybe check your contracts and your work handbooks to see if you've been informed about surveillance within the office place and what it involves. Um, and if you're going to do personal stuff, I would avoid using work equipment and work accounts and Wi-Fi from the company if you have very sensitive personal communications. And remember, of course, the safe computing practices, the VPN, the 2FA, the strong passwords on all your devices. I guess the good news now is here we are in 2017. Most of us have smartphones. So you don't exactly. necessarily need to use your corporate laptop or corporate desktop computer to communicate uh, personal stuff. You can use that phone instead. You can even make sure that it's not on the company Wi-Fi. Exactly. And it's using 3G. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe you can install an app, you know, something like Signal or whatever, if you want to be ultra paranoid, to secure the communications as well. So you just have to be a, a little bit more careful. But I think your advice about checking out what your company contracts and what you've actually agreed to yes. yep. may make sense. Um, and remember, e there may be things in the contract that aren't actually legal within your jurisdiction. Mm. And even if you're not doing anything wrong, there might be some creepy guy or gal in the IT department who has the access rights to do these things, who might potentially abuse it, maybe if they don't like you, maybe if they like you too much. Uh, and you want to protect yourself against that kind of thing, don't you? You know, that happened to me, actually. Really? Yeah, that happened to me. An IT guy came up to me once and uh, told me something from a personal email, and I couldn't believe it. Mm. Um, boy, but that was the wake-up call for me that I realized, uh, you know, they have full access. Yeah. I mean, oh to, to emphasize that point, too, I mean, besides getting that monitoring policy, I mean, you would hope that a company would do its due diligence and, like, train their employees, like, have a refresher every year or something yeah. just to go over. It's like, okay, just, just remember, 
we're doing this. If you have any questions and then they can talk to their employees about that. I mean, of course, we know that's not the case with every organization, but like everyone that's worth its salt should make sure that their employees know what they're doing. Yeah, totally, totally. Good stuff. Well, thank you, Cross. Some really sensible advice for all of us there um, and things for us to think about. Uh, I'm I'm kind of glad I don't have a boss other than myself. I am too. I am too. (laughs) This episode of Smashing Security is brought to you in part by Recorded Future. Recorded Future is the real-time threat intelligence company whose patented machine learning technology continuously analyzes technical, open, and dark web sources to give organizations unmatched insight into emerging threats. Sign up for free daily threat intelligence updates at recordedfuture.com slash intel. Welcome back to the show, and it's the segment of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Ah, uh, Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Uh, Pick of the Week could be a funny story, a book that we've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, an app. It doesn't have to be security related. Basically a kind of recommendation, maybe. Something we like. Something we like. And I'm going to start with my Pick of the Week. And uh, I took my wife out to the cinema. We went out on a date. Very exciting. And um, I went to see a movie called The Big Sick. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be now for a few weeks actually but you know what it's like we, we're a little bit late Before, in these things Graham I just need to know did you yeah. fall asleep in the movie because I don't think I've mm-hmm. ever seen you in a movie theatre not s- snoring away <laughs> I did not fall asleep not once not once and that is my recommendation <laughs> Okay. For the big set. Okay. It's a movie I didn't fall asleep during. Should there that are no be your CG- recommendation for a date night in general? <laughs> Don't fall asleep. <laughs> no, David, seriously, seriously. Like, yeah, it is pretty impressive. Like, I, we were once stuck in some, I don't know, some place for some conference. And I, we were watching this. It was a boring movie, but he did fall asleep about 40 times. Wow. I just had a stick in my hand. And I just kept poking him. <laughs> stick of the week. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> stick of the week um, so the big sick now I didn't tell my wife in advance what it was going to be about right because that's the way I like to play my dates with a little bit of danger <laughs> spliced in not telling your wife uh, the, the plot I, of the I just movie. told her I just told her we're going to the movies we're going to see a movie called the big sick and she gave me that look like oh my goodness is this going to be another one of your documentaries about a vomitarium or something like this <laughs> you know what is this going to be will I like it and I said trust me trust me trust me and it's actually surprisingly a romantic comedy now normally rom-com just fills me with dread right I can't concentrate but this is a good one it stars a guy called Kumail Nanjiani and uh, also an actress called Zoe Kazan. And it's the typical story. Guy meets girl. He's Pakistani. She's white American. They break up and she falls into a medically induced coma. It is fun <laughs> for all the family. It is genuinely enjoyable. It's brilliantly acted, well written and funny. And I recommend you go and see The Big Sick. Um, we we need more movies like this rather than the normal sort of Hollywood dross. So uh, I enjoyed it. And that is my pick of the week, The Big Sick. (laughs) David, what's your stick of the week? Okay, so my stick of the week is... Why why uh, stick? (laughs) Because it's the stick you poke me with at the cinema. Oh, God. This is a joke that David and I have incorporated into the narrative. Okay, carry on. Erase this. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So my pick of the week, stick of the week, whatever you call it, is uh, Above and Beyond's group therapy. So Above and Beyond is a very well-known progressive trance, like electronic DJ band. Um, I think they're based in the UK. 
And every week they do this radio show where they play their music and a, a bunch of other artists' um, music. It's some of the best and newest electronic music out there. So it's it's just incredible. Um, I know it's at two o'clock, I believe, in the Eastern time zone. So that must place it at around seven in London time, I believe. Um, so it's a great way to unwind, get ready for the weekend. Uh, you can listen to it on YouTube. I know they also have it on up Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And uh, just as a plug for them, I don't know if there are any tickets left, but they are celebrating their 250th group therapy session in uh, Washington 250th? State. 250th? 250th, That's yeah. not a yearly event. <laughs> no. it's weekly. Okay, weekly. It's, it's a weekly event. Okay. I don't... <laughs> It's a weekly radio show. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're doing that on September 16th and 17th. So if you like that music, I highly recommend it. It's great for running for all cool. you running fans out is, there. Is, is that why you're principally a fan of trance and electronic? I guess you're a fan of this kind of music. Yeah, well, I, I, I can't say that I'm a fan of this kind of music in general. It's something about above and beyond the way that they blend it together and how it's a okay. little more... I, I guess that gets more into the trance-like um, state of the music, how it's just, it's very easy listening and you can get lost in it. So it's uh, it's really relaxing. Well, okay, we will put some links in the show notes. I must admit, it's a completely alien world to me. I, I'm just about caught up with Alma Kogan. That's about how, how close I am <laughs> uh, to the modern day. But uh, it's in the 60s, Crow. <laughs> you should give it a try, Graham. But- but uh, anyway, well, but thank you very much. Oh. I will go and check. Well, sure, I will. Why not? Yeah. Let's, let's check it out. And Crow, what's your pick of the week? Well, I have a little time waster for any of you at work who need five minutes that won't get you in too much trouble, as long as your <laughs> employee, employers don't mind you visiting uh, a Google News Lab site called howtofixatoilet.com. So I recommend you guys go check it out now right. so you, we can get live feedback. So this has been created by Simon Rogers and Alberto, Alberto Cairo. And what they wanted to know was what are the top 100 how-tos and how does it oh. change depending on where you are in the world? So one of their sections, for example, and I'm very interested, Graham, in seeing what you think about the site because it's quite modern and I I have a feeling I I'm know looking what, at it right now. It's a bit whiz-bang. Yeah, there's a lot going on yeah. on the screen. And oh, my goodness, when you move the mouse over things. <laughs> I know. It is actually quite irritating. I found so it- are these Google employees who've made this site? Yep, I know. During work time? During work time. Was no one monitoring what they were doing? <laughs> it is. I think they had a lot of fun with some of their services, right? Oh, my but goodness, I goes don't crazy. I think the end result is a relaxing or enjoyable um, experience. But the information's oh. kind of cool. For example, there's one section on how to fix stuff around the house. And right. it turns out North Americans and East Asians need, uh, need to fix their toilets. People from the former Soviet countries are fearless enough to attempt fixing their own washing machines. Right. And wow. in warmer climates, they can't live without fridges. So there's all these kind of, oh, and Eastern Europeans love to fix their, you know, always looking up how to fix their light bulbs. So they have these <laughs> sections on cooking. They have apparently how to tell if someone likes you and all that other love stuff is a huge area, which is not surprising, but it's quite sweet. It's like, how do you know, how do you kiss a boy? You know, how do you oh, ask yeah. someone that's, out That's on a what date? I want to find out, Carol. <laughs> yeah, okay. Thanks for that. No, no. You, you heard it bored. here, folks. You I was bored here. up and I was bored up until then, but suddenly, oh, no. 
know how I'm interested. <laughs> how to tell if a guy really likes me. Oh, yeah. Okay. How right, to shed the pounds is another one, Graham. Cheeky. A lot of these um, people seem to have problems with <laughs> bugs. There's so many bugs. Get rid of bed bugs and ants and fleas. Yeah. And <laughs> to anyway, oh, how, it's, to, it's quite... how to play the guitar, Carol. Yeah. Well, see that one. No. Yeah. I'm so advanced now. Um, so, uh, no, so it's quite a fun site. The inf- I mean, I, again, I don't like the layout at all, but I, uh, I find the information quite fun. So enjoy that, people. So that is uh, howtofixatoilet.com. Oh, you could spend a lot of time on this site, couldn't you? You this could. This would be a great time waster. whole weekend. <laughs> You're welcome. How to make slime. Yeah, I was just like, sure. yeah. how to do the cup song <laughs> from Pitch Perfect. <laughs> Strange. Okay, Carol, thank you for your pick of the week. And I think with that, it's the end of the show. Thank you very much, David, uh, for joining us on today's episode. If people want to follow you online or find out more about you, where's the what's the best way of them to do that? Uh, you can go on to Twitter. I'm at uh, DM Bisson. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Google Plus, uh, under just David Bisson. Search me and I should be one of the first ones to pop up. Cool. And um, if you want to follow Smashing Security on Twitter, you can find us at Smash In Security. There's no G. They didn't allow us that many characters. Smash In Security. And we've got a Facebook group, which you can get to via smashingsecurity.com slash Facebook. And we have swag. You can buy T-shirts and mugs and all kinds of other goodies. Someone bought a sticker the other day from smashingsecurity.com slash store. Well, all that remains is to thank you, David. Thank you, Carole, for joining us once again this week. And thank you at home for listening as well. If you like the show, tell your friends. Leave a review on iTunes. Please leave a review. Though not a nasty one like the one we got this week. Um, (laughs) Yes, I I wouldn't say yes. Yes. No? What? I was named in that one. Oh, yes, you were. Yeah. Okay, don't look that up, folks. Um, You can find past episodes or drop us a line via smashingsecurity.com as well. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Toodaloo. Bye. much fun on this. It must be so much fun to do this every week.